0: All right, good evening, everybody. If you want to turn your Bibles to Romans 16, that's where we'll be tonight. We'll finish up the book of Romans tonight. Tonight's the last night for ordering the t-shirts and stuff, just so you know. Um, Just keep that in the back of your mind if you're interested in a sweatshirt or t-shirt or hat. Uh, Tonight's the last night for that. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for letting us spend time singing to you, giving you the praise you deserve, and uh, we just pray that you were blessed with that. Um, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people, and and uh, um, there you were. We're two or more gathered in your midst. You're here with us, and that's a, a blessing as well uh, to know that you're here with us. We pray that you would be our teacher and guide tonight through your word, that your Holy Spirit would do, is, just as Aaron was praying, meet all the needs that everybody came with tonight. Um, There is a a basic Bible study here, but by your Holy Spirit, we know that you can minister to each one of us and speak to each one of us just where we need, whether that's comfort, encouragement, correction, whatever it may be. And so we open ourselves up for that. Um, We want to come and receive your word with gladness. So whatever you have for us, we know it's best. Jesus name. Amen. It's been a sweet book, this uh, book of Romans, very uh, doctrinally rich, you know. So much, and of course, we went through it pretty quickly. You could go through it much slower if you wanted to. I know. I know some churches spend four or five years on it, and I don't know. I just, um, well, we we don't spend four or five years on any book. We get through it. We got to get through it. It's the word of God that changes people, not the, not the uh, commentary. So, with that being said, I want to I want to get right into it. Paul uh, is giving his. Um, his salutation. He's saying goodbye. You know, this is he's wrapping up the letter, and like a good pastor, it takes him several times to finally get to the conclusion. He's, he says, "Amen," like three times. Amen. Oh yeah, one more thing. You know, it's it's just kind of built into us. I don't know what it is, and uh, he wants him to. What I get from that is he wants him to have everything. You know, oh, this, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to write another letter. You know, I want to make sure they get it all. And so, Amen. Wait, 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 and then this. You know. Make sure you have this. That's a good dad. That's a parent. Um, Paul says to the Corinthian church, which is what we start next week, that he was their spiritual father. Now I know the Bible says you're not to call any man a father. And yet in that case, he says, no, I'm the one that, I'm your spiritual father. Um, I brought you the gospel. I led you to the Lord. I know you don't think much of me now, but I, I'm the guy. You wouldn't be a church, you know, if I didn't show up. And and as a spiritual father, he He wants to impart to his kids as much as he can. Um, He knows he's not going to be on the earth forever. And and he knows that the Holy Spirit is in charge and that God has got people by the hand and we're disciples of Jesus, not disciples of other people. He knows all that. He teaches all that. And yet from his perspective, he wants to finish so well. You know, I want to finish well, he says. He wants to finish so well that he says, "I, I can't think of another thing I could tell you. You know, and that's a great heart. And that comes into play because in this salutation, he names off person after person after person that he has invested in and given to and poured out his heart into um, in this church in Rome. He says, by the way, greet these people, you know, by name. I can think of this many, not just a handful, but several. And so we're going to talk about each one of these people as much as we can, as much as we know about them. Some of them, eh, we don't know much about. There's a Mary in there. Well, that doesn't narrow it down, Paul, you know, Um, (laughs) which. And there's some others that we're not quite sure of. We don't have any other scriptural references for them, but some of them we do. And I think those are important to spend some time on. So he begins in verse one. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church of Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Phoebe's carrying the letter more than likely. And she does carry the letter to the Corinthian church as well. She's a faithful sister. That's what we know about her. She's helped many people. He says that in as much. And I don't want to just uh, reiterate the obvious. But it's important that Paul takes the time to mention this wonderful lady of God that's been so helpful to him, you know. And helpful to all those around her. her. Her reputation goes before her. He wasn't someone. She wasn't someone that he needed to worry about. He could. He could give a task to, and and, and she would go and do it. You know, um, and they're just those are special people in your lives like that. You know, some in your own lives that you know you can trust. You know, absolutely implicitly, you can trust them. Um, and in this day and age, that's it's not rare. Uh, but you don't pick everybody. I was just asked about a recommendation for. Oh, do you have any recommendations for some babysitters or something? I don't know that I want to recommend anybody for babysitting because I don't want that liability because you don't know. Every news story you read about, it's always been, well, they were close and they were family members. Oh, gee whiz, you know. You know. So who? And there are some people you can trust. There are some people you can absolutely know their character because you've been around them. You've... You don't just know about them or are occasionally with them, but you've been around them for years. You've invested into them and they've invested into you. They've given back. That shows character and heart. You know, you know. And so Paul mentions this Phoebe. It's not just a flippant, oh yeah, Phoebe, she's on receiver. No, he he's saying, I trust her to run this errand, you know. I want you to receive her like you would all the other saints, you know. Uh, I want you to trust her completely. And uh, she's been a blessing, so treat her that way, you know. Don't just snatch the letter out of her hand. I don't think that they would have, maybe. But Paul wants to put his stamp of respect upon her, you know. We're not to be a respecter of persons, but Paul does make a point to say, I respect her, I respect her, you know. Um, And that's a blessing, and that's a blessing. And and he wants her to know that Um, she's respected by Paul. The second couple here, or the next group of people, it's a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Greet them. They're my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. They're there. And now this Priscilla and Aquila are an interesting couple. Paul ran into them. He met them. Uh, We'll start in Acts 18, verses 1 through 3. That's really our first mention of them or or Paul's first interaction with them. Paul's, you know, running around, getting beat up wherever he goes, telling people about Jesus. That was his, that's what he did. Um, And sometimes we we have a term in Christianity called tent making. That's my tent making job. So like if I go to a senior pastor's conference, they say, are you full-time or do you have a tent making job? It's just a term we use. Nobody else would know what we're talking about, but what it means is, are you bivocational? Do you do the church and do you also have a job on the side? You know, so you have your tent making job. Well, that's where this comes from. This meeting with Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. That's what they did. And Paul, needing to make money, ran into these tent makers and decided to join their team or they hired him or whatever. And so he would sit across the table or whatever it is that they sew on. And he sewed and made, you know, made tents with them. So here it is. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. Who had recently come from Italy with his, Rome, with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. So just a little background, a little history, but that's who they were. It, God is faithful, and we, and we see this happen, and you'll see this in your lives. Um, in, your, in your Christian walk, when you surrender your life to Jesus and you're starting to walk with Jesus, you're walking by faith, God will bring into your life people just like this. Random. It seems random anyway, but actually it's by God's design because we're reading a letter that Phoebe took back to Rome where Priscilla and Quilla are now back in Italy. They're back in Rome and they have a home church. Whereas they first met Paul when they were kicked out by, by they were pushed out of Rome on purpose Just persecution, circumstances, whatever it is, move them to this different city for this point of contact. Now, I wouldn't say for sure that God says, oh boy, my servant Paul's going to need a job he likes to make tents. That was his, he was, a, he was a, a Pharisee or Sadducee, you know, or a Pharisee. And he was a part of the Sanhedrin. Um, but they also had a, a vocation. It was a tent maker. Ah, Priscilla and Aquila, they'd be a good match for him. So uh, I'll stir up this Roman emperor. He's going to kick them out and move them over here. And they're going to get to be friends. Later on, that'll come in handy. But God does that. I wouldn't say necessarily for that. I, met, I imagine it was a, 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 a blessing for Priscilla and Aquila, but also for Paul. And God works those things together in your life. Look for those things. It may happen to you, too. I would like to say that I'm Paul, and God brings Priscilla and Aquila into my life, but sometimes God will make me the Priscilla and Aquila and move me to a location to meet somebody, and that was it. That's all it was for, you know, and then go back to the place you came from. Watch for those divine appointments, we call them, God-ordained divine appointments in your life where, I wonder why I'm here, or I wonder what's happening here, or why are the circumstances the way they are, and how come this is happening to me? Because there's a big picture. There's a very big picture, spiritually speaking. And although you may not understand why you're being inconvenienced by being, why isn't God protecting us in Rome? Because I need you to meet Paul, and I can't get you to move there because your business is too good. So I'll apply a little pressure to you. Now you're over here and now you're with Paul and now you're going to come. It's going to come in handy later on. You're going to risk your own neck for him. You're going to be best friends. That happens sometimes. Watch for those things. It happens. So that's his first encounter with him in Acts eighteen eighteen. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed to Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had... Uh, his hair cut off at Centuria and had taken a vow. It's a small little verse. You don't make much of it, but he met these people. And when he left, they went with him. Nothing tying us to Corinth. Where are you going? Over here? I, we're going to go with you. We're going to serve you. We're going to be alongside of you. you. know, we'll just set up tent making shops wherever we go, make some money and help you along the way. And we really love this Jesus stuff too, you know, um, Amazing. Verse 26, that same chapter. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now I need to set this up. He's talking about Apollos. Apollos. They separated from Paul at one point. They went up to another group. I, I didn't give you the whole chapter. You can read the whole chapter to get the, the background on it. But they listened to this Apollos and he was a very good speaker, very eloquent in all his words. And Priscilla and are listening to him and they came up to him and said, can we, can we talk to you a minute about the Lord? You bet. I love talking about the Lord. It's great to talk about the Lord. Well, come over here talk about the Lord. And they explained to him more because all he had known was the baptism of John. See their ministry was as interesting enough was the baptism. It's it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. That was their ministry. Now, you know, not that everybody has to have a thing like that's their thing. That's what they talk about all the time. But they could recognize and and be able to word it in such a way that it wasn't offensive to Apollos, who didn't have a problem drawing a crowd. He drew a crowd. Everybody was getting baptized. There were people getting saved all the time. And they thought, we need to tell him more because he's, he's working without, he needs the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to share with him. And all of a sudden, the world busts wide open for Apollos. And all of a sudden, whoa, it all goes, it's it amazing for him. They had this ministry. Chuck Smith had, and Kay Smith had a couple with them in the ministry. You don't hear much about him. We have one of their books out there. Um, Jim and June Hesterly with them from the beginning and that was their ministry. Uh, We're going to have an afterglow. Jim and June would take over and they'd run the afterglows for Chuck. That was just what they did. Afterglows, what we had here the other night, just waiting on the Lord, praising the Lord, praying, spending time with him, orderly, carefully, you know, doing everything according to scripture, not getting weird and wacky, you know, um, but being normal and trying to be biblical, you know, and and Jim and June had a way about them that they were so open and wanted the Holy Spirit to move, but they're also very good at saying, you know, hmm you know, or yeah, or just being able to have it and, and run these things. And Chuck could just absolutely go for it. And they've been with them in the ministry their, their entire, their, the entire career, you know, the whole time they were, they were in the ministry, Jim and June Hesterly. It's a, they're a wonderful couple in the Lord. He's still on the radio, I think on 93.5 still, still, and they still have Jim on there and uh, just such a, such a sweet spirit. He just talks really normal and just teaches the word of God. And goes on, just like Chuck did. You know, Chuck was just very normal and just taught the Word, that's it, verse by verse, through the whole book, um, but just filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. So I see that, and um, what a blessing that is to have those kind of people in your life from the beginning. When you were first saved or when you first began in the ministry and they walk alongside of you and they're with you and there's no there's no backbiting and there's no uh, arguments or criticisms or anything like that just just working and walking with the lord and uh, with grace in their hearts for one another just grace you know and that's what these two have um, Paul doesn't mean to do this but gives us a great example for for us to follow in this that. It's worth spending time with other people in the Lord as brand new believers because those brand new believers, as you're both brand new believers in the Lord, as you get older and more mature after 40 or 50 years of maybe moving in and out of each other's lives throughout throughout your you know, lifetime on this earth, um, there's a, a friendship and a fellowship that begins to build that you don't have with anybody else on earth. Because you've taken that time to call them or because you've taken that time to uh, share in a tragedy maybe with them or uh, rejoicing with them. It could be any of these things. Um, Or they may have moved into your ministry and then out of your ministry or whatever it may be, whatever you have. Um, What a blessing that is to invest in all those people because that's where all these names come from. Is Paul just walking with the Lord? Didn't try to keep everybody. Hey, go do your thing. Go do your thing. Whatever you want to do. Um, Priscilla and Aquila moved in and out of his life. But now uh, how, how perfect as God sets up all these chess pieces. And I, I don't want to make it that's not all we are to God is pawns and rooks. And, you know, <laughs> I, we're not. There's a lot more going on there. Um, but it is strategic. Um, and there is purpose in it. And there's plans afoot that maybe none of us on the, on the board know what's happening. All we just know is we're being moved. And that's okay. As long as you're willing to be moved, you know. Um, and God does that. And so this Priscilla and Aquila, he just mentions them. My, fellows, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risk their own necks for my life. Well, anybody around Paul risks their neck, you know, just being near the guy, you know. Um, but he recognized that. He goes, I, I know it would have been easier to not be with me. I was, Paul Paul's a strong cup of coffee, you know. He knows that about himself. As everybody's telling them, hey, you need to flee or you need to go over here. I think I'll go back in the city and see if they want to hit me again. What are you doing, Paul? You know, you escaped. I didn't want to escape. I wasn't done. You know, um, he knew that about himself. And so when he talks about Priscilla and Aquila, um, his fellow workers in Christ, they risk their own necks. Uh, I give thanks for him. I give thanks for them. What a blessing that they were uh, and are. Now, moving on. Greet the church that's in their house. Wherever these folks went, they they had a church. Greet my beloved, um, (laughs) I'll do my best, Aponidas. No? You don't know any better, so that's exactly how it's pronounced. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Who is, these are all Greek names and and Roman names, so give me a break. Um, Who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ? Greet this guy. Uh, Greet Mary. <laughs> Which one? Who labored much for us? Now these two greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who were of note among the apostles, who were, who also were in Christ before me. Now these are older brothers; these are older uh, people in the Lord. Okay, um, but uh, Junia is a is a female name, and I don't make, I don't want to make much of it. Um, um, but there are different translations of Scripture that you can read and um some of them have a hard time with this because in the greek he's he's actually saying Junia was an apostle you know um so you know you you balance all these things with first timothy and second timothy and titus for the qualifications of an elder and and all and um, but then you have this and uh, you have Junia who was a fellow. Now some other translations say she was noted uh, among the apostles in the sense that all the, all the other apostles knew her very well as a blessing. Okay, fine. But most say you really have to twist the Greek to make that happen, you know. Um, so I'm okay. Just let them be like it is. This is it. That's maybe an exception to the rule like like uh, um, like Deborah, maybe. Um, but Either way, there it is. And what Paul's getting at, regardless of, you know, that, um, greet them. There they are, those countrymen, their fellow prisoners. They went to uh, whoever they were, um, went to prison for Christ with him. They they shared cells together or dungeons together, you know, basically wasn't a happy place. Wasn't three hots and a cot like they say now, you know, it was more like um, a couple roaches and some chains is all I'm going to get. And these were fellow prisoners. They believed in Jesus so much. They, they believed their walk was so important. They believed that no compromise in their life was so valuable that that's what they did. We're, we'll go to prison for Jesus. And so whoever they are or whatever their station makes no difference. We really don't know the station of Phoebe either. That doesn't matter. The titles don't matter. It's that they were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Paul has all these names in his mind. Hey, greet these people as faithful followers in Jesus Christ. No matter where I hear about their faith, it's echoing about how how their walk is solid. You know, their reputation goes before them, um, my fellow um, my fellow believers. Now he goes through a bunch of people here, and forgive me for the uh, if I butcher their names, but greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, good close person. <laughs> Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and uh, Stiches, uh, my beloved. Um, greet Apellus, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. That was pretty good. Greet Herodia, Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of uh, um. I want to say narc, but that doesn't sound right. Narc, narcissist, but that even that, that's even worse. Is he a narcissist? No, there's no T. We're okay. But um, who are in the Lord? Forgive me, guys. I mean, we're going to meet these guys some days. They're going to go. It's na 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 na. That's how you pronounce it. I heard you butcher my name for twenty years. Sorry, sorry. Um, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and that's just it. Paul on earth had a great cloud of witnesses with him. Doesn't have to think about people in heaven or anything like that. It's He had people around him that were, it doesn't matter where he taught, there they are. They are oh, you're in Rome, aren't you? And he knew where they all were, you know? What a blessing. Uh, what a what a wonderful heritage he has with these people. Beautiful. Now, greet uh, Trifena and Tryphosa. He put those together on purpose. Trifena and Tryphosa. Who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus. <laughs> I get that one. You know, um, that's a great name for a boy, by the way. If you haven't named your boy yet, Rufus, I mean, that's just a great name for a kid. I think um, we think, or they think, Rufus may be the son of Simon the Cyrene, who carried the cross for Jesus. That's that's what we think. That's who this his boy's name was Rufus, so it could be the same kid. Um, but we don't know. So, Rufus, you know. My dad carried Jesus' cross. I mean, that's a pretty good badge to walk around with, isn't it? You know? Uh, anyway, chosen in the Lord and his mother uh, and mine. Um, greet, uh, mm-hmm. Syncritus. I'll say it fast that so we won't know. Um, uh, uh, Phlegon, Hermas, Hermas, uh, Patrobus. Hermes, got that one. And the brethren who are with them greet um, Philologus and Julia. There you go. Narius and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Um, say hi to all of them. Greet everybody. And they would do that, you know, a holy kiss. Um, and not, not a weird one, just a normal, you know. Maybe that's not normal for you. You know, some people can't even. Barely shake hands. you imagine getting a kiss on the cheek or something then? Um, But anyway, greet them with a holy kiss for each other. It must have been the, it's the custom in Rome to do that. And so um, tell them I said hi, basically. Um, Beautiful list of people. Beautiful list. Now, um, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly By smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. He has to give a warning in there. I mean, in the middle of this wonderful greeting and all, it comes to mind, by the way, watch out. And he does this in several of his epistles, warning them, watch out for this stuff. And and I'll read a few of them to you. Um, God, Jesus did come to bring division. Make no mistake about it. He's not saying that all division is bad. Some people read that. Oh, watch out for that. Don't, don't be divided. Don't be a divided, body of Christ. Well, it depends. It depends. Jesus said that. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm here to divide. You're either for me or against me. And so doctrine matters and, and Jesus matters. And that, Paul's not saying that. He, he's actually saying divide over those who are trying to pull you away from what you know, from what you were taught, from what the scriptures teach, Divide yourself, separate yourself from them. That's very important. Protect that um, because they're not doing it to better your walk with Jesus. They're doing it to better their own bellies. Uh, that could mean lots of things. Maybe they're charging for it. Um, maybe they were gaining a reputation. Maybe they're gaining people. You know, come to our church. Our church is better. Our church uses the only real translation that's uh, authorized by God. Um, and then, you know, until then, nobody had the word of God, really. Um, and so they're doing it for their own benefit is all he's saying. And it can be a lot of things. And the only reason this works, the only reason 17 and 18 work is if you diminish what somebody else knows, you know. Um, and all Paul is saying is just bounce it off God's word. If what they're telling you is 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 faithful and true and in God's word, then you would have heard it from us. We have no doubt. We have no problem with what they're teaching because it's in God's word. If it's not in God's Word and it's a tradition of man, be careful. Be careful about that stuff. Um, don't let that divide you. And so watch out for those folks. Avoid them. It's a very simple thing. Um, I think sometimes we're afraid of that, to avoid. We want to confront. We want to get it straightened out. I I hate misunderstandings. Um, I don't like it when people don't understand me or, or, or I didn't communicate well enough. I, I try... I tried to be really slick with our with our chat that we have for the for the for everybody that serves here, and I and I said, hey, I'm going to the store. Does everything anybody need anything? And I wrote fish, and underneath it, question, question, question. And everybody's responding, yeah, we need fish. Okay, I I, I wrote it wrong. I said no, fish is like number one on the list. Definitely gonna get fish. We always need fish. We've got to buy goldfish every single time for the children's ministry. That's enough. Is there anything else? Question, question, question. Now we need fish. Okay. I need to get, so I, I laugh and I said, okay, no, I, I got the fish. I'm going to get fish. I'm going to get a lot of fish. So much fish that you won't be able to stack them in there. Now, is there anything else other than the fishy crackers that we need? And, 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 and Mandy, I think, was like, cleaning supplies are good. We're good. All right. That's what I needed. So by the way, while we're on this tant, tant, tantrum here, tent, whatever. Um, (laughs) I'm going Friday again to the store. So if anybody needs anything, in addition to fish, (laughs) I don't need to know that we need fish. I'm going to get those. But in addition to that, put that in there and I'll get it. I'll get it for you. Okay, now back to the text. Um, I don't like it when I'm misunderstood. I want to make sure it's clear. And that's me. That's my communication. I need to, I try to use as few words as possible. And Jenny's like, they're not, you got to tell them, you got to explain it. All right. So I'm learning. Um, but in some cases, when it comes to things, it just doesn't seem like we're going to get past these things. It's okay to avoid. I don't have to make it right. All I can do is tell you, this is what, this is what I'm doing. This is what God told me to do. If you don't understand it, sorry. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Well, just avoid it, I guess, and steer clear of it. I can't. You can't. You can't undo that necessarily. You, and so, Paul is saying, watch out for these people. Um, if they move you away from it, they teach contrary to what you've been already taught. That means it, it's, it's juxtaposed. It's a, it's against what you've been taught. Um, you need to avoid those people. They're they're wolves. And, and so he says that in First Corinthians one ten. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's the hope Paul has. That's the hope. It isn't always the case. Um, but Jude, is. that's all it's about. Paul Jude, Jude actually writes an entire, well, it's one chapter, but... Um, He writes the whole letter for that purpose. I want you to turn there to show you how common it was in first century church and how important it was that they stay, you know, right where they need to be with God's Word. So it's right before the book of Revelation, and it's very short. And it isn't what his original intent was to write. That, I, this is not what he wanted to spend pen, spend pen and ink on, but he ends up having to. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. I'll try to pick up. Um, let's, do, let's do verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation... That's what I wanted to talk about. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. And it goes on and on to describe these guys. These people have come in and they've, they've they've crept in unnoticed. Nobody was watching. Nobody paid attention. They weren't marked out. There were no red flags, but they've come in and I want you to watch for that. Now, that means they look like every other believer. Um, but he describes them as these are like clouds without rain. They have lots of words. They have lots of things to say to you, but they bring nothing to you. They bring no. They bring no Holy Spirit to you. They bring no life. They don't change your walk. They just. They just change your, and, and usually it's legalism. Usually that's the case. Usually there's some guy in the back of the church saying, hey, I think we should you know, do something illegal tonight. You know, no, I'm not going to do that. Usually it's something that sounds more godly if we do it. If we do this, we'll be more godly. Um, and then and it comes as a tradition. It's not necessarily in Scripture. And you can read the whole chapter. But he, he takes all this time, this whole letter, when he wanted to talk about the faith, he had to talk about These guys. Um, and it is not complimentary at all. It's a it's a very big warning. In First Timothy six twenty, Paul writes to this young pastor. He says, "Oh Timothy exclamation point guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge." That's going to happen. There's going to be people that just they just want to argue for argue, argument's sake to win. Second Timothy 2.23, same, same thought, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Avoid that. Keep the main thing the main thing. Um, and, and I'm not saying compromise in your doctrine or what the Bible teaches at all. What I'm saying is these extra biblical things that come and sneak in and can sneak in. Um, they have an appearance of wisdom. They have an appearance of godliness, but they don't. They aren't. They're not biblically prescribed. Um, For example, um, the Garden of Eden, when God put the knowledge of the tree of good and evil in the middle of it, he says, I don't want you to eat it. That's all he wanted to do. I want you to hear me say, as a father, don't eat that fruit. And then I'm going to leave it there, completely accessible. I don't want you to eat it. We would, in our minds, say, well, let's put up a sign. Do not eat. You know, well, kids are hanging around the tree that are put up a fence and we put the fence up, you know, and pretty soon we post a guard on all four corners just to make sure no one's there. And then we post a guard to watch the guards. And pretty soon you've got this fortress around this tree and that's all anybody in the garden can look at what's going on over there. Are they building around the tree again? Yeah, it's a minefield today. I don't know what's going on. You know, we can do that with our walk with Jesus. There's some simple things. Just, just, just don't do that. I don't want you to do that. Okay. He doesn't want me to do that. Well, here's what I'm going to do, you know, and we build and we build a we build a, a legalistic relationship with that thing as opposed to just being obedient. Just, you yeah, okay. You said, no, no, that's fine. Well, these people come in and they, and they have that. One of them was the circumcision thing. One of them was, um, there's lots, there's lots of things they would come in, but circumcision seemed to be the biggest one watch out for those guys. They're just out for their own belly. In Titus chapter 3, verse 9, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and useless, Paul says. And Paul knew the law. Acts 20, 28 through 30, gives uh, his exhortation to. Um, the, the pastors he's leaving behind. Paul says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. This is it. I'm giving you my final exhortation, you pastors. Pay attention, elders. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Watch your walk. Watch your holiness. Watch your relationship with Jesus. And then watch the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. Men will rise up speaking perverse things uh, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Paul knew people are actually at bay waiting for me to die. And once I die, boom, they're going to come into that flock and they're going to start devouring sheep. You guys have been told, he says, you pastors, watch for this, it's going to happen. So, Turn around and watch your flocks and make sure that doesn't take place. That can be an interesting moment when you have to use church discipline in that way. You know, hey, keep your hands off the girls at church. Quit touching them. Quit putting your hands on their back. Quit giving them those long, weird hugs. You're creeping people out, you know. Knock it off, you know. Well, I didn't mean anything by it. I don't care. Quit. You know, awkward moments. But got to happen. And I pick on the guys because that's an easy target, but um, wolves, they don't look like wolves. They don't act like wolves, but they, well, they act like wolves. They, if they've got blood on their teeth, they're not sheep, you know, um, you watch that. And so Paul warns about that um, to these folks. And so that goes all, all along here in this Romans 16. It's a common thing from watch those people, avoid them. Sometimes people just need to get their feet under them as believers, I can't keep my head in the sand. I mean, I got to get out there. I got to discover things. And he's going to hit that here in a minute. That idea that you need to acquaint yourself with all the doctrines and all the evil in the world so that you can refute it. Just say, no, you don't. Um, planted a couple of trees yesterday out at the farm and, and um, put in two ornamental cherries. And boy, you got to watch those and put concertina wire so the deer don't eat them and all that. And and, all. and then I got this gigantic, its this big around, but it's 27 feet tall, it looks like to me, this maple tree. And as soon as I put it in the ground, I'm like, I got to stake this. I got to do something. Because it doesn't have the root system. It's not grounded enough to withstand the incredible winds we have out there, you know? So you got to do something about it. It can't be there all the time. You can't keep it staked. You can't keep wires around it. You can't protect it all the time. But until it gets a little more mature, a little thicker, a little more legs under it, Then maybe it can bend and sway with the winds and be able to withstand the storms that come its way. Very simple to understand as Christians, you know, especially with our kids. You know, our kids are not equipped to handle the same kind of spiritual warfare we adults are equipped to handle. And to think that they can is ridiculous and foolish on our parts. That's not fair, you know. Well, they're just a missionary out there in the school system. They're missionary. Would you send them to Africa to be a missionary? Well, well, no, that's that's different. No, it's not. You know, be careful about that. Make sure they're grounded. Let them have some time to get some maturity, some, some legs, you know. Um, you can't just throw them out there and expect them to withstand. You can't just leave the television on, you know. I mean, you can watch Cinemax if you want. Is that the bad one, Cinemax? There used to be when I was a kid. You can watch Cinemax if you want to, but it's up to you to make that choice, you know. They're dumb little kids. What's on Cinemax? It's, it's, it's you know, give them time to get some legs underneath them. Um, just avoid. Yeah, maybe one day you'll be in a position where you can refute or you can do apologetics or you can do these things. Um, but there's a time when it's just, just steer clear of that stuff. You just need to grow. need to spend time with, with the Lord and, and feed off of the milk of God's Word and then graduate with some teeth to the meat of God's Word and you move forward like that and get your maturity and get stable and strong and healthy spiritually. That's all he's saying. Be careful about that. So watch out for those smooth words and flattering speech. They deceive the, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He's not done. Okay. <laughs> He's not done. What does he mean by that? I want you to be wise in what is good. I want you to be fully versed in what is good. And I want you to be ignorant of what's evil. Simple in that. I don't, you don't need to know that part. You know, um, it's a very dangerous thing. It, 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 it is, not literally, it is figuratively the, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree. I would have never ate that apple if you told me not to. You were just told not to right here. This is the tree moment for all of us New Testament Christians. I want you to be ignorant of evil, and I want you to be. No, I want you to know. In other words, walk in the cool of the day with the Lord all day long and steer clear of that tree over there. Well, I need to know what it tastes like so I can tell everybody else not to taste it. Absolutely not. Steer clear of it completely. It's okay, Paul says. Um, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Steer clear of that stuff. Avoid it. You don't have to experiment, you know. Is a running joke for pastors' kids, especially my kids. It was like I, you know, come on, Dad, I wish I was a crack addict. You know, at one point, and I and I got saved, so I had a good story to tell. You know, um, no, you don't. You know, they don't ever say that. But you, you hear these testimonies that uh, there I was on Skid Row, and you know, and really, wow, you know, wow, that's great. And Jesus saved you from that. Yeah, what'd you do? Well, I got this little kid's Bible, and then I bought the, then I got the adult Bible. You know. It was a lot more reading, but I did it, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) It's it's not a great story to share, you know. What happened to you? I got even more saved and closer to Jesus as I grew up. It was crazy. Man, not as crazy as it's okay. And I guarantee every drug addict in this room, and I wanted to say this a long time ago, you guys know you're surrounded by drug addicts around here, right, that have been saved, because I get that sometimes from people. Well, I don't want to go to a church where everybody's perfect and all dressed nice and all that. I mean, I look good. I know that, but (laughs) you don't know who you're sitting next to. And I think that was one of the blessings of that night that we had where people were around all these nicely dressed people that didn't used to be like this. They have ugly histories. They have sin that God has dealt with in their lives and and changed their lives. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, we're not perfect. We've just been touched by Jesus, and we're being changed and transformed, and we look more normal, you know, than we used to. It's a wonderful thing to know. You're not surrounded by perfect people at all. We're just getting better. We're getting healthier, you know? Um, You should have seen us 10 years ago, some of us, two years ago, some of us, 20 years ago, some of us. You should have seen us, but we've got a God that's delivering and changing and drawing us closer to him. It's a wonderful thing. So you're surrounded by good stories, but all those people that have those good stories, those good testimonies will tell you, don't even dabble in the road that I went down. It is not worth it for a story. I wish I'd never touched it, you know. I should never been there. So, Amen. He says. Oh yeah, one more thing. He says, verse twenty one. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and um, Sosipater. Saus, uh, Sosipater. I'm sure it's better. But my countrymen, greet you. Um, I, um, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, in another epistle, Paul wrote it himself. You see, see what large letters I sign my name kind of thing, because he had an eye problem. was So he's dictating this to this um, Tertius, and he's the writer. He says, hey, by the way, I say hi, too. It's like a tag. He tags Paul's letter there. Okay, hey, dude. And verse 23, Gaius, uh, or Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church greets you. This guy's interesting. And we're almost done. We're almost done. But Gaius, this Gaius guy, he's interesting. Um, Oh, I skipped over a bunch of cross-references. That's okay. Um, If you're taking notes, they were for verse 20, Ephesians 1, 15 through 16. Um, In other words, all all of these cross-references are about Paul hearing about other people's faith through the grapevine, okay? So it's Ephesians 1, 15 through 16, Colossians 1, 4 through 7, and 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 10. I've heard about all of your faith, and I'm so glad, and I've been praying for you. Okay, back to back to Gaius. Gaius we hear about in 1 Corinthians 1, 14. Um, he's talking about the gospel. He says, I, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Christmas and Gaius. It's this guy here. Still walking with the Lord. I can't remember if I baptized anybody else, but I know I did some guy named Gaius and Christmas. You know, and then third John. John writes this. It's the it's very short. Um, it's all about this Gaius, 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 who would provide for the needs of the missionaries. He was not a great orator, apparently. He might have been, but he didn't. That's not what he was known for. He wasn't known for this, that, that, except that when a missionary or itinerant preacher would come through his town, he would provide for that guy while he was there and make sure that he didn't have to get a job or beg all the way to his next duty station or his next ministry. He just had money. That's what he did. He was a good businessman. Hey, what do you need? Hey, I I just need a meal. Well, how about a meal and I don't know, 50 denarii or whatever to get you to the next place. Oh, that'd be great. I could just walk straight there, get a get get some rest and start teaching when I get there. That's who this guy was. Okay. So here he is. Gaius, my host, he's hosting, and the host of the whole church. He's got he take care of all of us, you know. This is that guy. He's just who he's known for, just has a gift of generosity. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. Um, Cordus, my a brother. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Wait, not done. Now to him who is able to this is his benediction. Now him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. I always underline that. It's a small thing. Paul didn't have a special gospel. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his version. Paul took ownership of it. This was my good news for my life. It is good news for your life too, and you can make it your gospel too. So when Paul writes about it, it's very personal. To establish you according to my gospel, my good news, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret uh, since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And the mystery, of course, is that Gentiles get saved. That's always been the mystery. It's like, what is happening here? I've always told you I wanted to save the Gentiles throughout the Old Testament. You just never picked up on it or didn't like it. Well, here they are in Rome, a bunch of Gentile believers in Jesus Christ. And Paul says it's an amazing thing. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul's heart and his his ability to write such wonderful, deep, um, by your Holy Spirit books for us to read. Uh, It helps us greatly. Lord, I pray that you'd help us keep these things in our hearts as we go this week, um, that we'd have those deep relationships with those around us. It can't be everybody, but there will be those um, that we just have close, intimate fellowship with, and we count those people as a joy in our life, and we thank you, God, tonight for those people. We can see them. We might be sitting next to them. or. They may be someone from our past that we, we need to reach out to again. Lord, we thank you for those people and continue to bring them. Help us to recognize those Priscilla and Aquilas in our lives that swing through and, and, uh, and, uh, you bless us, Lord, uh, with these, with their fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.